Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Boldly Vulnerable series produced by Inna Sequoia. And Happy New Year! I'm your host, Megan Tobokorst, and I'm really excited about this month's episode. I sat down with Sophia Rufolo, the founder and CEO of Fembot, an online directory of women-owned businesses, and a community that empowers more women to reach the top. We chat about the struggles female entrepreneurs face, some of our favorite local business owners, and the importance of failure and iteration. But my favorite part, we have a really important conversation on mental health, both in the workplace and as entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Sophia, for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and to dive into a conversation on how we can better support female-owned businesses. But before we even get into that, can you share a bit more on what Femba is and what inspired you to start the business? I absolutely can. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I love, love, love what you're doing. And love, I, anytime there's a woman-owned business and I just can tell that it's going to shine, it, it touches my heart. So you ask me what it is that inspired me or what, what it is that Fembot is. Um, we are many things to different people. At our core, we're a directory. And that directory is a community. It's a community of women who uh, we put out there to help them get business. And the idea is really simple. We, uh, we want to support women-owned businesses. And we do a lot of things to do that through mentorship, through events, through our directory, and through networking, and just even giving them lots of love on Instagram. Yes, you always are one of the best accounts I see out there truly championing championing your community through Instagram and having my business on your directory and having some of our clients' businesses on your directory. I am personally very grateful for that. Um, so roughly how many businesses do you have listed on your directory? So right now we have about 300 businesses. Wow. Yeah, it's exciting. The only reason we don't have more is because we can't keep up. So shout out to those who want to help us along. (laughs) Um, We have hundreds of businesses that are in the queue, hundreds of businesses that we know about that have expressed an interest that we need to do a little bit of just verification, making sure, of course, that they're woman-owned. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, And then we want to put them up there. So really, if I were to pull a number from the back of my I had we're looking at a thousand businesses wow. just sitting out there waiting for Great. support and help that's incredible that's so exciting to hear um and it's it's in multiple cities now too right you're yeah. you're not just in Toronto that's right we're global Woohoo! I love saying that <laughs> we'll formally launch we formally launched in Toronto we uh, for a couple of reasons one is the community in Toronto of women businesses is the most inviting and collaborative space I've ever seen. I can second that. Yeah. <laughs> and we really thought that this would be a great model for the rest of our cities. Yeah. So we are also in Chicago and we will formally launch in Chicago in the spring. But not to worry if you're looking for Chicago businesses, they're already on the website. We've already got them, some of them listed. And if for anybody listening who's a Chicago woman-owned business, reach out because we love you and we want to see you grow and thrive. 
And Tel Aviv is another location that we have that we're building out and we're actually, fingers crossed, we might have some more news in a few months about Tel Aviv. So very exciting. Boldly Vulnerable Series exclusive, yeah. new Tel Aviv news, cool. So that's, uh, those are our major cities, but we've also got a big contingency in Nashville. Oh, I know. I had to, I had to throw that out there. That doesn't surprise me. I think Nashville would be a city with a lot of really awesome female hustling entrepreneurs. Super, super cool. Uh Super cool women. Yeah. Also, I was creeping some of the businesses in the other cities because I I knew the Toronto ones pretty well, but before I would chat with you, I wanted to have an idea of of how Chicago was doing. And there were some that looked so cool, it's almost tempting to just open up a Sequoia content studio agency in Toronto, or sorry, Chicago as well, just to work with them. Well, how can we help? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Toronto stable first, then I'll look global. Well, we're here to help businesses grow and expand, and we wanna see more women businesses be international. We think that essentially, if you're international and global, you have a greater chance of kind of being out there and getting hired. So how can we help? (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a side hustle for you, isn't it? It sure is. Have a full-time job in addition to this. (laughs) It is a side hustle. It was a hobby, and then it turned into a side hustle, and now we're looking at how to get interns and looking at how to get um, some freelancers to do work for us as we grow in our 2019 strategy because it is huge. Yes. Especially when you have that much of a queue waiting to get on, which is exciting, but I know it can be a struggle for new businesses when you're trying to work lean, you don't have a lot of man hours or manpower, but you've got such an exciting and valuable concept that people want to get involved. It's it's a tough struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs, and I commend you for, for managing it as, as well as you are. Thank you. So in addition to the directory, as you mentioned, you host events and you're in conversation with a number of female business owners through FemBot. So in your experience, what has been the biggest need women entrepreneurs are struggling to meet? Dollars, money. Dollar, dollar, bills, yo. Right? So, I mean, that's what uh, precipitated our Girls Just Want to Have Funding series. Great name. Oh, thank you. That was me. I will give a shout out to my spouse because he helped me formulate the name to make it better. I had girls just want to get funding. And he's like, no, you got to go straight with the straight up quote from Cindy. Yeah one of our icons and it's money because without money you can't really move your business forward there's only so much you can do by yourself and I think I mean I think you wrote about that right (laughs) about kind of wanting the premium and having Mm -hmm. to and and realizing that going premium isn't available until you start getting some cash flow in and so what we try to do is get get women access to funding and to information about funding and then also get them access to people who can that they can consult with to talk about their funding needs because what we know is i think it's depending on who you ask 
two to four percent of VC capital goes to women. Mm-hmm. And you know, when corporate spend, a very low percentage, under five percent of corporate spend goes to vendors, women businesses um, who are vendors of these corporations, and we're trying to change that. Which is not easy. I, I know having my previous history in the entrepreneurship world, it's it's a tough challenge we face and there's no simple solution. I know that part of the problem is just that when you see it with businesses that are targeted for female customers too, when they go to pitch venture capitalists, when they go to talk with funders and they're trying to explain their businesses to men, when the business is targeted for women, they don't understand the customer problem so they don't see it as a customer problem that needs fixing so they just don't fund you it's incredibly frustrating to hear those stories it drives me up the wall because i want the solution these women are coming up with because it's my problem so fund them so i can have access to it please well that's exactly right and you hear these stories and it breaks your heart and it's and i it's sad to say it's not just VC men, it's also VC women out there who aren't necessarily doing the support for women. And to all you VCs out there who are supporting women, thank you. Yes, thank Thank you. Thank you, bless you. And I I mean, that was also one of the things that precipitated Fembot Start was women supporting women. So there's there's an urban myth out there is that women don't support women. Then when you come to places like Make Lemonade, you know that's not true because mm-hmm. we're sitting here in their office and we are talking about collaboration and we're stronger together and it's collaboration over competition that makes us succeed. And so we just have to get that message out there and women probably need a bit more coaxing on how to sell themselves. Yep. And so one of the things that we're really working on for 2019 is how to sell yourself to get that money. Sign me up. I'm, <laughs> I'm there. And it's so true. It's on both. We want to champion and support ourselves and each other. Um, I wrote a piece, and I'm pretty sure even you shared it. It was the uh, 10 really simple ways to support your entrepreneurial friends. Yeah. That piece blew up unexpectedly, which thank you in a Sequoia community for that. But I noticed that of those sharing it, of those championing it, a strong, significant portion of those people were women. And it's not to say like my female community is pretty strong, but I'm also pretty balanced in, who I have on Facebook for, for men and women, surprisingly, but it was still the women who are like, check this out. This is amazing. These are all true. These all help because we want to be able to lift each other up and not compete. It's, it's collaboration over competition. It's seeing everyone succeed. We all know that there's space for all of us, even if we're in similar fields and, that's really inspiring, and I don't think that's something you see with men nearly as often. I think men working personally in a co-working space that is gen- more gender-balanced, actually I would say it probably leans towards men a little heavier, you see a bit more of that male competitiveness getting into some of the conversations in the co-working space, whereas you don't get that with women as much. There's, there's a little bit, but really that stereotypical ideal of 
catty women fighting with each other, it's, it's not not a reality. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. And the ones that you see out there, they are the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of why Fembot exists and why it is so big. Mm -hmm. And I can share one of the surprises to me about Fembot. I thought when I started that it would be the consumer, the folks out on the street that would love the message and love the mission and go out and use their dollars to support women. Do you know what I'm finding? What? I'm finding that our members are supporting each other. They're hiring each other. Hiring each other. And so what, because they know about the directory and they go on and they say, I need a writer, mm -hmm. I need a photographer, I need SEO, I need a workspace. And they're going out and they're finding their um, their vendors on our site. Amazing. Which Amazing. is really, really exciting. So to think we've got a thousand women that we're trying to get on the site and that it'll be a thousand more people and options that folks have to kind of share and hire one another. It's really exciting. Super exciting. So, and on the different side of things, you know, your your website shares the stat of 2017's Fortune 500 list featuring a quote-unquote record high of 32 women CEOs. It mentions, obviously, that 6.4% share of the pie is not enough, rightly so. So for those women who aren't looking to start their own business, because it's not for everyone, but are rather looking to grow within their corporate positions, what do you think are some of the things they can do to even the playing ground and see more equal representation on future lists? I love this question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of things that women can do and you know you hear a lot about mentorship but there's also something called sponsorship and sponsorship is where you find somebody who can sponsor your name inside a corporation so you sort of know about that in the entrepreneurial space but within a company there are people who are more senior than you who have your best interest in mind and you can link up with them and they will promote you if they hear about a position they might put you up for it or might say your name or get you um, get you an introduction or a coffee chat and so the two things to take away from that is see if you can find as many sponsors as you can within your organization or within other organizations that will put your name forward and the other is ask people for coffee mm -hmm. just because they're more senior than you part of their leadership role is to coach and mentor and it should be on the fly in the moment and and that's what they do so take advantage of that totally i remember way back when in an unknown date to anybody because i will not admit it when i was an intern at lululemon it was nerve-wracking and, and and almost terrifying for me to ask you know, some of these very senior folks at Lululemon Athletica, one of the largest brands in Canada that I could think of, to just take 30 minutes to go get coffee with me. Like, everybody's busy. It's nerve-wracking. Why should they? What, what's the value for them? But of the entire internship, those are definitely some of the most valuable experiences I had just sitting down with a woman who 
does incredible work and is someone I could see myself following in the footsteps of just to get to know a bit better and to have a stronger connection between the two of us so that, you know, years down the road, if I call on them to say, hey, can can you support me with this or can you do this? They'll first of all, remember me still. And secondly, be way more willing to support. So no matter how old, you know, from, from interns to even more senior levels looking to connect with their C-suite people, definitely don't be afraid to ask, hey, do you mind taking 30 minutes and, and I'll buy you a coffee? And what I would say to that, and this is whether you're in the entrepreneurial world or whether you're in the corporate world, are two things again. One is not all of those will be great, so don't worry about it. Sometimes they'll fall on their face, they'll fall flat, it won't be the best conversation, and you move on. It's your 30 minutes later, what do you have to lose? And don't worry if somebody says no or does not respond to you. Just keep, keep moving on and keep trying because that's just how the world works. And the other is be prepared. Make the most. You get 30 minutes of this person's time ever, probably ever. You probably won't have another coffee with them unless for whatever reason, just the stars align. And so know enough about them to where you're not just having a, a conversation about the weather. Yes. Yeah. And I've heard, I heard one really great tip to be specific when you eat. If you email them to ask them for coffee, tell them what you want to talk about so they can come prepared to, they have an idea of what it is you kind of want to get out of that A so that they can parent be they're almost more likely to say yes because they know it's not necessarily going to be a waste of their time and they won't just be talking about the weather exactly exactly so then for those of us who aren't necessarily in the corporate world what can we collectively do to find more equal representation in CEOs because I personally want to see more more female CEOs out there they're some of my biggest inspirations so how do I get more than 32 women on a Fortune 500 list? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we can do. FemBot in and of itself, the idea of FemBot is to create those companies where women are their own CEOs that grow to Fortune 500. So dream if you're dream big or go home, right? Build that empire, ladies. <laughs> right? And we have big corporations. We have emerging corporations on FemBot that I just know these women are going to be stars and they are going to be that next CEO on that big corporation that Trudeau or Trump or whomever calls when there is a financial crisis. Mm. And we want to be in the room and make giving the answers. And right now there's only 32 to pick from. And so to all you ladies out there who are starting your, your company, dream big and create that next company. And for those of us who are thinking about it from the a little bit more passive position, when you buy, buy from a company that has a woman CEO, that has a woman executive team, that is owned by a woman. Because putting your dollars there shows that you have confidence in their leadership and management. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very, very true. Can you give us an idea of some of the amazing women-owned businesses featured on your directory? Are there any, like, favorite children you have, essentially? That's what I always like to call them. They're, like, my favorite child. <laughs> you know what? My grandmother used to say, I have two eyes. I love them both. <laughs> <laughs> 
But what I can do is name a few that have inspired me. Yes. If that's fair. Please, please. And who helped me get my start, who I think are the future of, of the world. So Claire McCallum, and she's going to blush when she hears that I mentioned her. Oh. She designed the FemBot website and the FemBot brand. And it's a beautiful brand. I think so. <laughs> I get compliments all the time. I like to say that I can spot talent. And I spot, I hooked up with Claire by following her Instagram feed. So for those of you who just have an Instagram feed and do spend your time curating it and, and making it look good, you know, that's a great start. And, and your start is never too small. So her brand, and now she's my brand strategist. She's kind of my everything because <laughs> if I have an idea, I run it by her. Um, so I would say her. Another one is Mimi Boyer, mm -hmm. who you and I talked about, I think, uh, a little while ago. But Mimi is just an inspiration. And watching her develop her brand over the course of the last year has just been really fun because I saw what she could be. I see what she is today, and I know and see what she's going to be in the future. And it's just really an absolute inspiration to watch over the course of this time how women grow. And then the last but not least is you. Oh, see, now I'm really happy this isn't one of our video podcasts because I'm going to turn as red as a strawberry. But you know how I just have an affinity for your content that you roll out, and I send you these personal notes. I love them. They make me so happy. And it just, they speak to me, and I can just tell if you're speaking to me, it's not because it's localized to me. You're speaking to an audience and really resonating with them, and so I will give a shout out to you Thank as my third. Definitely didn't have to do that. I'm not paying her for that at all. That's true, she's not. <laughs> not, really not. Um, uh, now I'm all blushing in the room. By the way, for those wondering, Mimi's brand is called Happy on Mondays. Oh, yes. I should have mentioned that. Uh, she's Mimi, like, and right. she is Happy on Mondays. It's just so true to who she is that the two go ahead and pair. One of the most inspiring quotes that keeps me going through the entrepreneurial struggle is, if you are 100% happy with the first iteration of your project or service launch, you launch too late. <laughs> it's Every, true. Everything I do, I think about that. Um, right now I'm considering redoing my website and it's so funny because there's this part of me that's, because I, I paid for the first version of my website, I invested the money in it, which don't get me wrong, was the smart move. I wouldn't be able to do that for the second version. I know I can build a website. That's, that's a whole other conversation as to why I, I outsourced, but there's that part of me that's like, why? Like you spent the money, like don't. But then I remember if you're not happy, with, if you're happy with your first iteration, it was too late. Like, yes, you need to iterate in the moment and keep things fresh. And I've learned so much in these past six months that 
have changed sort of how I do my business that my website needs to be able to reflect those changes to keep getting my clients. Well, you have to be able to refresh, right? It's, um, I listened to the, I think it's the CEO of Simple, and they, well, one of the things they do is they change their design constantly mm-hmm. to keep up with the marketplace. And, you know, it's hard when you talk about websites, that thing is your baby. Like, I put my heart and soul into the first design, the second design, the third design, and now we're going to do a back-end change to ours mm-hmm. to make it more sophisticated. And you absolutely you absolutely have to evolve. And you're probably not your best critic if you don't think some of these are failures. No. <laughs> but, you know, thinking about, like, what's your biggest failure of, of the day? Um, I, I feel like being an entrepreneur and a side hustle it, is a constant battle of failures and roller coasters and successes. So I go up there and I'm like, oh my God, this just happened. Oh my God, this just happened. And it's like, it is a bipolar roller coaster mm-hmm. of emotions. And for those of us who, who experience those anyway and their <laughs> natural well-being, it is an interesting journey to just have the high highs and the low lows of being, being an entrepreneur because you just have a huge success. You know, somebody signs on to do something that you have just really put all your hopes and dreams on and and they say yes and then all of a sudden uh, somebody says no that you thought was super easy sell on on them doing it and you're just like why did this not work or the instagram post that fails yes i've had a few of those that i'm like why don't you people like this <laughs> why did i spend all that time and on the picture and work so awesome why aren't you liking it why don't you like me Exactly, exactly. So that uh, my successes and failures, <laughs> I, I think I would have been able to answer that question pretty quickly and so on. Um, it's interesting for me. I sometimes forget that people won't know what the first version of Inna Sequoia was even. So you're a prime example of that because you've only connected with the brand, I would say, in 2018. Yeah. Um, so the first version in 2014, it was still blog, um, but I was a goal coach and I had what I called the boutique online and I sold, I sold the goal coaching packages. It was divided into uh, home, body, and soul. So the goal coaching packages was one. I had a body care line that I made in my apartment in New Westminster and then I basically just painted a bunch of random knickknacks and sold them as home decor items that were kind of DIY that literally anybody could just paint on their own for cheaper than shipping would cost. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would talk about goals. I po- I tried to post every day on the blog. I was one of those oh, when you start yeah. a blog and you're like, I have to post something every day. Um, it's a lot of work. It's so much work. And like, I look, those blog posts are still there. And I sometimes go back to them and was like, what was I thinking? What is the point of this post? Nobody's going to look at that. That shares nothing. But thank God for friends and family when we're first starting out. Oh, what would I do without them? But yeah, and it's, it's evolved from here is goal setting and this very hippie, because I'm a West Coast hippie at heart, let's be honest. Very hippy, dippy, love and yoga and 
goal setting and crushing it and inspirational to here are the realities of being an entrepreneur and living with mental illness. And that is one of the things that actually is so inspiring about what you share, to be honest. But one of the things that I've noticed is that women who are entrepreneurs are much more readily likely to talk about their mental illness far before people in the corporate world. And I've often wondered if it's because people leave the corporate world if they have mental illness and move into more of an entrepreneurial space because not that it's harder or easier in one or the other, they're both very hard, they're both very fulfilling and time consuming, but some of the pressures in the corporate world don't allow you to take that moment that mm -hmm. you might need and say, okay, right now I need to kind of step away from what I'm doing and, and deal with myself for a minute. And in your own entrepreneurial space, you can do that. You can go, this isn't working and I'm actually now having a panic attack. And so I'm going to step away from this panic attack by stepping away from my work and I'm, I'm going to regroup and I'll come back to it later. And I get the sense that that's why people with mental illness may sometimes gravitate a little bit uh, more to entrepreneurship. That, and I don't think people talk about it as much in the corporate space. 100%. It's, there's so much more stigma associated with it in, in the job because there's that fear that it will come back to bite you. I once had a person who I looked up to a lot and I was doing contract work for, and I messed up on a project and I, I owned that. I seriously messed up. There was no excuse for me messing up and it was terrible. I didn't know what else to say though. Like I, I apologize, I'm sorry, I messed up. There's no excuse. I, I want to do what I can to make it up for it. Like, it's too late to fix it. There's no possible fix for it. And it was her who, who brought my mental illness into play. It was her who said, I know you have your mental illness, but I don't think that's an excuse for it. And I shut down. I didn't say anything in the moment. And I regret that to an extent because you don't have a right to to bring my mental illness into this conversation if I haven't brought it in myself. I did not once talk about my mental illness. I did not once use that in any of that conversation. I told it to her in confidence. And if you're gonna say to me that I'm using my mental illness as an excuse when I did not even say it was anything related to that, all my respect for her was gone. Well, that's why people don't talk about it in the office because it is mental illness is something that you live with and you accommodate that with a variety of, of things whether it's through doctors or you know, wellness activities there's a whole host of things that you, you do and and it doesn't impact your work and and the two are mutually exclusive and the problem in in the eyes of people who may not understand or may not necessarily be ready to appreciate it is they are not able to disassociate the two. Mm -hmm. And you know, if there's something that you screwed up, it's necessarily because you're having a panic attack or an anxiety attack or you're having whatever um, moment you're having where it actually really has nothing to 
to do with that. You know what? I read your email wrong and I executed incorrectly, period. I didn't read it wrong because I have anxiety. I read it wrong because I was rushed and didn't read it right. And, and so that is one of the challenges that working for yourself allows you to overcome. And it, it doesn't mean that you have any less or more um, challenges. It just means that you can adapt to mm-hmm. your own physical well-being. So on sort of that topic and, and in business growth and development, what has been your biggest hurdle in growing FemBot and building the community that you have amassed? Oh, that one's easy. The luxury of time. <laughs> all, uh, right? I think all of you listening probably feel that way. I mean, though, the, you know, for folks who have a full-time job and a side hustle, and have children, I don't even know. Uh, and my hat is off to you because I only have two of the three of those factors and I wanna do so much. I want to be everything to everyone in my in my day job and I wanna be everything to everyone in FemBot. And I feel like I have an obligation and that I owe it to FemBot and the community to do more and more and more. And sometimes, unfortunately, I just don't time to do it all exactly you have to take care of your mental health and your boundaries respecting your own personal boundaries before anything else because if that fails everything else will fail as a result it's a domino effect and i think women struggle with that women struggle with boundaries as a general rule we are as the community, and this is not meant to be a stereotype because there are certain exceptions, but within at least my community of women, we always want to please, we always aim to please, we want to be able to say yes, and at a certain point, it's like it, it's like the water is bubbling over mm-hmm. the pot, and now you're like, oh my God, what do I do? I can't sleep, or I can't eat, or I can't take time to use the restroom. <laughs> and so that is one of the big struggles of being, um, being in anything and everything that we do, whether you're an entrepreneur full-time or in a side hustle, the luxury of time, and then just maybe, you know, standing up and touching your toes every once in a while. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting, the, the setting the boundaries, because as in dating with career, if women say no, no matter how nicely we say it or how reasonable we are, we're the bitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just not fair. That's my least favorite world in, word in the world because it really, it, it has so much meaning behind it and, and it, it is thrown around and, but yet, you can't use it when it's uh, when when it's appropriate potentially. Like, why are you being so horrible to me at this time? And it actually has nothing to do with gender. <laughs> but you know, we are kind of expected to say yes a lot. And you know what? We as a female community owe it to one another to join arms together and prop each other up and be able to tell each other to say. Um, I had a woman who I love. She is just a rock star. Um, and she was telling me that she doesn't 
necessarily want to be profiled in things because she will get more correspondence than she can handle, uh -huh. which I completely understand because I too get more correspondence than I can handle. And sometimes you feel a bit like a failure for not answering those correspondence and you just have to say, you know what, I, I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. Very true. Thank you so much for taking the time oh, to chat with us. Fun! I'm so, so grateful and I so enjoyed the chat we had and I know everyone listening will too. So thank you very much for taking the time. I'm honored. For those listening, where can they find you online? At www.femmebought.com. Like, I just bought from a woman. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Sophia. You just heard from Sophia Rufolo, the founder and CEO of FemBot. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to enjoy more conversations with radically vulnerable folks once a month. And be sure to subscribe to our community at innasequoia.com.